The Star Jelly Files, Episode 18, Old News and New Ideas. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's broadcast of The Star Jelly Files. It's been a little while since I've been able to reach out to you, and it's nice to be able to talk to you again. The past few broadcasts have been from Opal, Hum, and Vi, all of who have hacked into my communication system. I don't hold that against them, I know they had to, but it did make things a little more complex for me to get a message out to you, or out to them, for that matter. Opal, Bert, and Hum are just fine. They are still on that planet they were last trapped on, talking to the light beings that live there. They still have some negotiating to do before they'll be allowed to leave. Although, to be honest, I'll probably have to stop there to be able to help them do that. Vi, Link, and Fall are still trapped in an unknown universe with another set of light beings. In reality, all of them are trapped in the same problem. Trapped with a grouping of beings that want to learn more and want to be part of what's going on. But they don't remember them. In Vi's letter to you, or Vi's broadcast anyway, she mentioned that I knew who these light beings were. And that is true. I do know who they are. This probably sounds cliche, or a little too fictional, but these beings are very ancient. They've been around longer than I have, longer than most of the beacons have been, and they were around before everything was born. Before every star, before every planet, before every universe came into shape. They haven't always held the form that they hold now, either the shape of a bubble or the shape of a humanoid light being. Their shape changes over time as they evolve and change and learn. But they have always remained in the loop, per se, with what's going on in the multiverse. As a grouping of them mentioned, they don't always like to be involved. They prefer to observe. But with what's going on with Chester, or at least was going on with Chester, I think they felt compelled to get involved. That's another interesting fact to consider that a grouping of these light beings is also holding Chester captive. That's a twist I didn't expect as these things played out. I heard the broadcast from Opal and Hum and Vi while still on the moon base in the Milky Way galaxy. I was working with the Council to think of our next steps for approaching Chester when those broadcasts came in. I must say that it's changed our plans a little bit. We're no longer planning to confront Chester. Of course, there's not really a reason to now. He's being held in place by the light beings, so the urgency of getting there has lessened significantly. Although that doesn't speak for the number of worlds that he's already reached out to and may be taking other action even in his absence. At this point, things have gotten a little more complicated than they were when we last talked. A little less formal, per se. Now that the light beings are reaching out, The council at the moon base is far more interested in who these light beings are than dealing with Chester. They still acknowledge that Chester is a threat, still acknowledge that we need to do something to make sure he doesn't upset the vibrational changes of the universe. Yet, they're also extremely interested in who these ancient beings are. Most of the council members on the moon base have never met these beings or even heard of them. Something that's important to understand is that these light beings that wander the universe, or the multiverse depending on who they are, haven't made an effort to really be known in a very long time. 
They've spent a significant amount of their time trying to become hidden so that they can do their work in peace. You see, these beings work with the very fabric of time and space and everything, really. There aren't a lot of human words that I can use to describe the work that these beings do. Remember when I talked about how the universe is made up of vibrations, and these vibrations change over time? These light beings maneuver these vibrations to create new things. So new planets, new worlds, new stars, new everythings, really. And I've never talked about them because they don't want to be talked about. They aren't exactly a secret. They're an open secret if you do enough research and try to find out who they are. But they trust a certain few of us to actually talk to and learn from and communicate with. I am one of those beings. I haven't until now been compelled to talk about these light beings for a couple different reasons. One of which is I didn't want to reveal their existence to the rest of the beacons. To reveal our existence to the rest of the beacons. At one time, all of the beacons used to know about us, used to know about the light beings that worked within the fabric of the universe. But a few things happened, and it was decided that that knowledge would be removed to everyone's benefit. I had the opportunity, when I became head beacon, to reveal that knowledge again, to bring back that history into our minds. I decided not to. Beyond this broadcast going out, There's additional information about these beings that I have to decide if I can share or want to share. The initial reason that I didn't share their existence with the beacons or the universal councils is for two main reasons. The first is that, on many levels, the universe and the multiverse has moved past that level of knowledge. There are very few worlds now that consider the creation or manipulation of space. They study what exists in space, they study what's already there, and some of them theorize about how everything got there. But many worlds are not open enough to consider how those things were created by other living beings. So that's a hard topic to bring up. The second reason that I haven't brought this up before to the other beacons is that when the last opportunity was presented to me, it was right on the heels of Chester's last war. It didn't seem like an opportune time to introduce them to the existence of a grouping of beings that could be viewed as all-powerful. That doesn't mean we are all-powerful, or they are. It just means they could be perceived that way. Though I've kept their existence a secret. Well, until now, anyway. They've made the decision that they no longer want to be a secret. So I guess we'll roll with that. So, who are these light beings? I mentioned they were ancient. I mentioned they were beings that have been around since the beginning of everything. But there's so much more than that. They don't spend all of their time simply floating about space as energy balls or creating things or working on their projects. They also spend a lot of time visiting a lot of different worlds. They have a thirst for knowledge and experience that sends them around the multiverse. They want to know everyone. They want to get to know every place. Part of that is because they want to improve upon what they're building. But the other part is they genuinely just want to experience everything. So I'm not surprised that they've stopped Chester on his current campaign to start a war. 
I'm not surprised that they called him forth to question him. The question now is how will things move forward? The Universal Councils can no longer simply look at Chester's war and decide about what needs to be done on a physical level. We now need to look at the metaphysical level, the non-corporeal level, and really take a hard look at what else is out there and how do we want to get to know them. Introducing planets and universes to ancient beings is quite an undertaking. Just a normal introduction between two planets that have never seen each other, who have never known each other, or at least known that beings lived on those planets, is a huge undertaking. Never mind introducing a planet to a type of being they've never thought could exist. So the Council on the Moon Base has shifted gears. We're now working on the planning phases for introducing the light beings to our Council. That is not to say that we haven't worked with types of light beings before. There are beings from multiple worlds that aren't corporeal, that are just beams of light or balls of light, but they're a little bit different. They don't travel the stars in the same way. They exist in their own space, for the most part. These light beings that I'm talking about now, the ones that are existing in their own space and time, are made of something a little bit different. Not in terms of physical makeup. They're still made of stardust like the rest of us. But there's something more about them that's a little hard to explain. Our main goal now is to figure out how to introduce these light beings into the workings of our council, to invite their feedback if they wish to share it, and for me, to rescue Hum and Vi and everybody else. I also need to decide if I'll rescue Chester, or if I'll leave him where he is. I think I'll probably have to rescue him eventually, but for right now, at least he's not causing any more trouble. We also need to look at how these light beings are going to interact with the vibrations of the universe. They create very, very big waves. And now that they're awake and present in the work that we're doing, we'll need to compensate for that. I think it'll be okay, though. They can help us work through that. Let me be clear, though. Even though our focus has shifted to working with these ancient light beings and introducing us back into the universe, we do still think Chester's a threat. I have an inkling that he let himself be captured, that he wasn't playing bait for the spiral galaxy, but for these ancient light beings. I think it's very likely that he learned about our existence on some world and took that knowledge to his advantage to be able to talk to us or to go to our home. I don't think he really knows what he's getting into, though, so it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. I don't think it'll be as easy to escape as he thinks it might be. In terms of the rest of the beacons, in their lost memories, I could simply restore them. That's a decision I haven't made yet. There are some benefits to letting them remember, remember the times before that were blocked out. But it was also a bit of a gift to them to erase some of those memories. Not all of the beacons had their memories erased. Only the ones that were old enough to have seen the past and to have seen the existence of certain things. When their memories were erased, they agreed to it. It was not forced upon them. So to give those memories back would also require their consent. So it's a much bigger conversation to have. My first step is I'm going to go visit Vi and the other beacons trapped in that space so I can determine if we should remove Chester 
and bring him somewhere else. My ship is being prepared now, and I'll be bringing an armada from the Council for support. The Mantis beings, the Palladians, the beings from Sirius B, and a few beings from Andromeda will be joining me. You may be wondering why I'm not bringing everybody with me, why I'm not bringing the entire armada, or representatives from every planet on the Council to go with me on this adventure. Well, the simple reason is, this isn't the only thing that's happening right now. Beyond Chester, and beyond the light beings, and beyond the vibrational changes of the universe, a decision has been made. In addition to all the brief updates I've given you today, I also have a brief letter from Andromeda. This letter arrived to me in a jar made of sapphire glass and was written on linen paper. It came from a world that's a lot like Earth. Andromeda is similar to Earth in a lot of ways. And I think if a human visited there, it would feel really familiar and almost like home. Letter from the Council Elder from Andromeda Dear Astra, we are writing to inform you, in the Beacons, in the Galactic Alliance, that we are planning to visit Earth. I know what you're thinking, that Andromeda, the Palladians, and several other species have planned to visit Earth in the past, and have actually done so, and been turned away. We acknowledge that it hasn't worked before, but we're ready to try again. Now that Earth is traveling space, is much more aware of their universe, and there's so much media taking photos of the ships that pass by, we think it's time. We also think it's time because the vibrations of Earth are so close to the rest of the universe that they'll notice us eventually anyway. We would rather be at their front door, greeting them, than waiting for them to find us and be scared of who we are. We want to be there to answer their questions, to be part of their journey, not to be something that they're afraid of. It's so easy for a planet entering the universe for the first time to be afraid. We'd rather be a partner in that journey, someone who can help them if they need it or want it. Regardless of our failed attempts, and regardless of the fact that we were turned away because humans were apparently not ready for us to say hello, we think it's worth another attempt now. In terms of the logistics for our visit, we'll send those to you in a separate transmission as they're lengthy, but we did want to let you know that we're on our way. Our hope is to simply say hello, and to share a little bit of knowledge with the humans on Earth to get them ready to be introduced to the stars. We aren't going alone. In addition to us, the Palladians have agreed to go with us, as have some beings from other places. I won't list them here, as not everyone's signed on board yet, but I can confirm that members from the Andromeda Alliance and the Palladian Alliance will be in attendance. We don't plan to make any big waves. We plan simply to visit and say hello. That being said, since it'll be a little while before we get there, if you have concerns, please let us know. Additionally, we also wanted to let you know that since we'll be visiting Earth anyway, we also plan to visit with Opal. We know that right now, she's on a different world. She's on a different world with Hum, based on that broadcast she sent out. But we believe she'll be back on Earth by the time we get there. The reason we hope to meet with her is we hope to get an idea about her perspectives on how our meeting with Earth might go. She's seen enough of the stars that she should be able to give us some insight. Please let us know if you'd like us to pick her up and bring her back to Earth, or if you'd like her to find her own way back there. And one last thing. Even though we're visiting Earth and moving forward with that communication strategy, if you need help with Chester Astra, please let us know. We're more than happy to relay the distress signals from Vi and your team, but if you want some more tactical help, 
or you want us to be more hands-on, we are ready to support you. We'll talk to you soon. Well, I know that's a brief letter from Andromeda, but I think it shares some exciting news. We don't plan to tell them to stop. The Beacons in the Galactic Alliance are excited for their journey. We also agree that it's time that Earth is looped in and starts to meet their neighbors. There are some precautions we'll put in place. We'll spend some time getting to know the lay of the land, getting to know what might happen. We could make some educated guesses based on the sightings that Earth has had so far with UFOs, how usually they're dismissed or thought to be fake. Andromeda is going to have to be particularly creative if they want to be believed when they arrive. It's not like the movies on Earth, a spaceship floating through the sky and landing on someone's front lawn. The logistics are usually much more complicated and much more subtle when we do go to visit. I do think Opal will be back in time. I'll make sure of that. I think this is an event she wouldn't want to miss on Earth. In fact, it's an event I wouldn't want to miss either. If possible, it may be that lots of the beacons go to Earth for this event. But first, we need to solve our issue with Clara and Chester and everyone else who's involved. It's not uncommon for there a lot to be going on in the universe, not just one thing that needs to be concentrated on. I still have to figure out why Tempest is involved with Chester. I still have to figure out what Chester's actually up to. And some would argue I have to figure out what Clara's actually up to, too. We haven't heard from her in a while. She's been laying low. But I think that makes sense for her. She wants to stay out of trouble. She doesn't want to be part of that game anymore. I'll let her hide a little bit longer. But only if we can get Chester under control. In terms of next week, depending on how everything plays out, I anticipate you'll get another letter from me. But, depending on how our day goes and how our week goes, you may get a letter from someone else. At the very least, I'm hoping to get you an update on where everybody is. I anticipate by next time, some people will be back home, some people may be somewhere else, and maybe Chester will be at the Alliance. Thank you for listening to this broadcast, everyone, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Star Jelly Files podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you are having a great day. The Star Jelly Files is written, produced, voice acted, and created by me, Elizabeth Hamblett. If you would like to support the podcast and gain access to bonus content, check out my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash starjellyfiles. If you would like to learn more about the podcast or visit our merch store, check us out at www.starjellyfiles.com. The links are also in the description.